Welcome to MSP Voice, the weekly show for MSPs by MSPs. Brought to you by MSP360, the number one cross-platform cloud backup. Learn more at msp360.com. This is MSP Voice. Hello and welcome to MSP Voice. This is episode number 66. Today I have a great guest, Eric Rieger with Webit Services out of the Chicago area. Uh, we talk a lot of, about a lot of different stuff, including um, his uh, management style, which is called Open Book. Uh, there's information in the show notes um, on that, as well as uh, further information on some other things you can do in terms about the, the power of purpose. Really great, fun interview, a lot of stuff going on. So definitely stick around for the interview. Uh, before we get to that, though, the housekeeping, mspvoice.com is your source for all things MSP Voice, uh, including the show notes for this episode. Uh, we've got <clears throat> information on, on all the past episodes. And of course, another plug, if you want to be a guest, just click be the next guest, fill out the form, and I will get you scheduled on here. A couple things from our sponsors this week. Um, again, MSP360 at IT Nation Connect. That's next week. So I will be there. We have 70 pounds of chocolate. We have t-shirts. Uh, we're giving away a drone, Bluetooth speaker. Uh, so a lot of really fun, cool stuff uh, that we're doing at IT Nation Connect. Definitely, if you're there, stop by, say hi. I'd uh, love to meet you. Uh, next up, in terms of more resources for MSPs, uh, we MSP360 has actually put together a disaster recovery planning best practices and template. Uh, so it's, it's kind of how to respond to unplanned incidents so the business can continue to operate. Uh, we've got uh, <clears throat> a, a few different resources in there. Simply sign up, register. Uh, you can download everything. Uh, you've got the main steps for the disaster recovery plan, best practices, and of course a template um, which includes um, setting goals, uh, assigning the personnel and procedures uh, required to restore and all those kinds of things. It's always important to have a plan in the event of a disaster. So again, it's a free resource. Just hit up the URL and give us your name and email and you can have that yourself. Next up, something interesting is improving cybersecurity of managed service providers. Uh, so this is something that um, NIST, as well as the NCCOE um, is actually seeking comments in terms of how to put together um, a project for improving cybersecurity managed service providers. Um, so the, the, the public comment period is now open. It closes on November 8th. Uh, so click this link um, and then you can go in and provide feedback in terms of what you think MSPs need to do um, in terms of cybersecurity. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, you know, the, the public comments part is open now. Um, once that's done, they'll compile everything. They'll put out some recommendations. Uh, so I'll keep an eye on this and, and you know, let everyone know once that's done. But if you have feedback, definitely get in there and give it to them. Um, and finally, uh, something that actually happened last week, or maybe it was a week before, uh, but in case you didn't know, Tama Bravo, they're making another acquisition. They're acquiring Sophos. So they, they've made their bid, um, $740 per share. Um, which equates to almost $4 billion, $3.9 billion. Uh, so that, that's quite a bit. So if you use Sophos, um, you know, again, this is private equity taking over. So probably not a lot of change um, at, the, at the early part. Who knows what happens after that in terms of consolidation? When you look at what else Tama Bravo has in their portfolio, there may be some consolidation, you know, in a year or two down the road. 
Um, but this information, this is a, the, the press release right here from Sophos, um, link again in the show notes. So with that, that's all the news I have. We'll get you right to this interview. Again, Eric Rieger, um, really a lot of great information in this interview. So take a listen, take a look at the show notes for, the, for links of things that he mentions and have a great week. Hello and welcome to SP Voice. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Eric Rieger with Webit Services. Webit, kind of like Ribbit. So you've got the frog as your logo. That's really cool. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of an interesting story how we wound up with the uh, the frog as a logo. The original name of the company was Titanic Enterprises, and um, I had several people. Yeah, exactly. Um, when when it started to become a thing, uh, people are like, you know, Titanic really doesn't instill uh, confidence in anybody. So, um, like all good stories, I was at a bar with a friend of mine who's in manufacturing uh, in advertising, mm-hmm. and um, we were trying to come up with a new name and, and finally he's going, okay, tell me again what you do. And back in the day, this was in the nineties, the it was web design and IT services. So ah. Webit was born. And then um, I had another friend who created the logo for us. So it was kind of off and running from there. Ah, great. Yeah. Great story. Yeah. Titanic, um, like you said, doesn't, doesn't really instill confidence. So. No, confidence is uh, everybody. The first thought is iceberg. Uh, No, we don't want to do business with you. Thank you very much. Uh, Please move on. Yeah. So you've been, you've been in business for quite a while then. Yeah. um, I started the company in 1996 and pretty much like uh, a lot of people, my first uh, entry into business was I was just kind of fed up with where I was and I just walked in one day, gave two weeks notice, and um, before you knew it, I was uh, president of a company that had no clients and no employees and no real plan. Everybody so starts not ex- <laughs> Yeah, not exactly the, the recommended path for uh, you know, entrepreneurs to start your own business, but uh, it, it worked out pretty well. Were you doing IT work previously before you founded Webit? Um, I, I kind of fell into IT, so it's not, um, I've, I've been to four different colleges, and mm. so I did, um, advertising was the first uh, entry back in the 80s, okay. um, then I went for photography, and then uh, I got my, my degrees actually in materials management, mm. and then I took accounting, so okay. nothing <laughs> in my formal training has prepared me for the IT world, but it did prepare me somewhat for the, the business side of things, which yeah. I think did give me a little bit of an advantage because a lot of people are technicians and then they mm-hmm. just are trying to figure the business side out. Yeah. Um, so most of the roles I held previously, uh, the networks back in the day, you know, fairly simple, they didn't work. And I would buy, you didn't have Google back then, so I'd buy these books that were like this thick and I would just start reading through them and fix things. And they went, you're the network administrator. And I went, okay, I don't know what that means, but I got a job to do here. So they're like, you're going to fix anything computer related. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Were, were those, were those so, books big and red and say novella on the outside? Uh, the, the <laughs> early ones. And then the, uh, the DOS days and then the NT351 yeah. and NT4 and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it, it just kind of, I was, I worked my way up in a software company and I was uh, director of operations. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically overseeing all things infrastructure and, uh, we were doing revenue cycle management. We had rooms full of SQL servers, and and this was back before big internet pipes and things mm-hmm. like that. So it was it was fairly interesting. But 
um, I started doing more of the leadership and, and, and less of the do. And then when I got into business for myself, it was more back into the do and balancing <laughs> both of those roles. So yeah, yeah it was, it was a, a fun little adventure. Yeah. So, you know, you, you said you started out it was, it was web and it, um, I, I'm assuming now you're mostly probably managed services. Or yeah, it's funny how things kind of come full circle. So uh, a couple of the people who worked with me at the software company came over here. Um, and now we actually have some software development components to our service. That's um, good. They're ad hoc. They could be standalone. Uh, they were driven by client needs, though. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of work in manufacturing, nonprofit, healthcare, okay. and they've got these systems that tend to not talk to one another very well. So, you know, business intelligence, dashboards, things like that. Um, so a gentleman that used to work with me over at the software company was moonlighting and doing the, that type of work for us. Mm -hmm. And then it just got to the point where it made sense for him to come join the team. And now okay. we've got several developers on the staff and um, it's just, it seems to be a growing line of, of business for us. There's, cool. there's a need for this business intelligence dashboards um, and, and uh, integrations and analytics. Okay, great. Um, now, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things you mentioned in terms of, of Webit and, and how you run things is that you're a practitioner of open book management. And, you know, I, I did some Googling um, after we talked, <laughs> you know, so I understood a little bit about it, but why don't you explain what open book management is? It, it, it sounds fascinating to me. Sure. Um, well, I, I can attribute finding out about this myself through one of our coaches, uh, Doug Diamond. Um, he's with Business Improvement, and we've been working with Doug for quite a while. And on one of his Friday sessions, he goes, you know, while we're at it, um, I think you should pick up a copy of the book called The Great Game of Business and read it because it should speak to you. And okay. so I, I got the book. I read it over the weekend. I called him up on Monday and I was like blown away. I was so excited. I'm like, Doug, this is the missing piece. We have to do this. And he's like, oh, crap. I forgot what happens when I tell you to read books. Like <laughs> they, they, they can actually create a big shift in the organization. Mm -hmm. And so I started investigating it more. And, it, and the great game of business is is really kind of the the roots of open book management in this country. And um, without I mean, people should go out and get a copy of the book if they want the whole story. But in, in essence, what it is, is you, you actually teach people the financial side of the business. You teach them how a business runs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people out there, if they surveyed their employees and said, like, if they're an owner like me and they went to their, their, their team and said, well, how much out of this money that we made, let's say, let's say you're a million dollar a year business and say, how much of that do you think I take home in profit? Mm -hmm. And you'll be shocked at what some of the answers are. And, and people will believe what they think is true. And in a lot of the cases, sometimes employees are thinking 80% comes home with the owner. So that means they oh, think yeah. I'm taking $800,000 home <laughs> out of a million dollars in revenue, not realizing the building, you know, your, your, your rent, your utilities, yeah. your salaries, your tools, mm -hmm. you know, everything that goes into a business. Um, so when, when we started doing this, there are a couple things happened is, is it, it taught our people how the, the issues that the clients are facing actually impact either their bottom line, if they're a for-profit business or the mission, if they're a nonprofit mm -hmm. and, you know, a reactive issue that keeps repeating over and over again, how much that truly costs, not only us, but the client. 
And so they started asking different questions. We had different conversations going on. Um, it really kind of opened everybody's eyes to what it really takes to, to not only succeed in business, but just stay in business. Okay. And that's why so many companies, you know, unfortunately don't make it past those first five years because, you know, people don't understand where the money goes, what's an investment, what's an expense, how to, how to keep those things in line. Mm-hmm. And so there's different forms of open book too, where, you know, you can be an open book where you share historical financial information, which is, it's good from a transparency standpoint, but people can't really do anything with that. Um, We go week to week where we have a huddle and we have line item ownership where there's, you know, like six different lines of revenue in our business. I'm really only responsible for one of them. Mm -hmm. The other five other people have accountability for it. Now, I, I'm the owner, so I'm still, you know, at the top accountable for everything. Yeah. But there are people who are, are handling those things, you know, day in and day out in the business. And by reporting week to week on where we are according to our plan versus just looking at arrears, you have the opportunity to shift and pivot when things are not in alignment with okay. your goals. And it, it helps people feel more involved and more a part of what's happening in the organization as opposed to just being told, well, here's what happened, deal mm-hmm. with it. So no, no, they get a, it, they get a moment by moment, you know, blow by blow play of what's going on. And not, not, this isn't just for your, your like next level management. Is it, is it, this is for everyone, everybody, yep. everybody in yep. the entire Everybody's company. got visibility. So, yep. Okay. So the only thing we don't share is the individual salaries. Well, yeah. So in, <laughs> in a, in a, in you, like, if you came to our office, you would see our PL on a whiteboard in our training room. Okay. And you know, you'd, you'd see a week by week and, and the salaries and the insurance and the taxes are all rolled up into a line called payroll. Okay. So people can't really figure out you yeah. know, what each other are making, you know, for the sanity of everybody here, <laughs> you, you, you don't want to get too deep, but there are companies who actually do share that. Hmm. And, you know, it's something that we may consider doing down the road. Okay. It's a, and, and how is that? So, you know, you said you made that switch. Has it helped you to grow your business? Has it, you know, really improve things? Yeah, we've, uh, we've had, we've had some pretty significant growth um, year over year. We just made the Inc 5000 list for the first time uh, that we were right. eligible uh, we came in at like 28, 30 something, um, which, you know, I, I actually got into an argument with them because uh, I was, I was in California visiting one of our clients and they contacted me about coming to the the dinner. And I was like, we didn't make the list. You guys rejected us. And they're like, no, oh. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm looking at the list right now and you're on it. And I'm like, I, that's not possible. And <laughs> it's actually a three-year period they look at and okay. so we've had 132 percent growth year over year for the the three-year period oh wow that's great yeah which was which was pretty neat and um you know it's it's actually done more than just the growth it's 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 had a dyna- dynamic impact on our culture mm-hmm. so it's it's really helped us clean the the, the house in terms of the people who want to be here and want to have an ownership mentality because the, the end goal of this is to become an employee owned organization okay. uh, within the next couple of years. We want to start that process. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, now do you do think, do you have things like, you know, stock options and shares and those types of things yet? Or is that, that's what you're trying to get to? That's, that's what we're trying to get to as of right now. Okay. I'm still hundred percent the owner, but uh, 
you know, as we're realigning everything here, uh, everybody understands the targets that we have to get to. Because um, you have to, the two things that any ESOP advisor will tell you is that you have to pay your taxes and you have mm -hmm. to be profitable. Yeah. And usually about 20 people is where they say the size is where you can start thinking about it. And, and by the end of this year, we should, we should be right around that 20 employee mark. Okay, great. <clears throat> yeah, I know that's, you know, when, you know, I've worked for a number of startups, right? And that's always one of those things where, you know, hey, I, where's my options? You know, <laughs> when do yep. I, uh, because it makes a, it makes a huge difference, and then it, it does help in, incentivize people because now they have a stake in it, um, and they they can actually see the value changing over time um, as the business grows. So does their so does their I don't know stake, but it, you know, at least on paper, their their investment is is growing as well. So so that's always great. Well, and there's there's a, there's an accountability it creates too mm -hmm. because. You're, you're everybody everywhere you turn. You're looking at, at a, a, a fellow shareholder in the organization, and nobody wants to let anybody down. Yeah. Um, so we know we have to provide the best possible service and, and outcomes for our clients in order for them to reward us. You know, the, the the profit is is the client's voice of rewarding you for a job well done. Yeah. Um. So so we want to make sure that we're doing that, and and it's not it's not about the money. Um. It's not about the ownership. That's not the first reason that we exist here we want to make sure the clients are getting their outcomes uh that they desire and when when we're doing that on a consistent basis then they vote with their dollars which mm -hmm. then in turn um because we're we're driven by that then everybody here gets a, a stake in that okay yeah that's great um so you know obviously you know that you've, you've get, adopted that management style in terms of open open book but what other things do you think have really contributed to to your growth in, in terms of sites? I mean, are you, is it, does it link to advertising? Is it all word of mouth? You know, what, what are some of the other things that, that you've seen that, that have really helped to, to have that phenomenal growth? Sure. Um, well, part of it is organic from the existing client base, because if mm -hmm. you do write by, by a, a client, then they're going to grow and they're going to consume more services because of that. So that's, that's really part of what's driven it. Um, as far as advertising, we don't we don't do any traditional advertising per se, but uh, yeah. we started working uh, earlier this year with a company out of California called Marketing Authority, mm -hmm. and they're uh, an organization that was born out of a, a managed service provider, uh, Sierra Pacific Consulting, and they really kind of, you know, it was it was the same cold email type approach, and mm -hmm. I was very skeptical at first. And they've they've really understood, taken the time to understand what we're all about and help get our message out there via LinkedIn and some okay. other social platforms. And we're having conversations one one person at a time, but you know, at, to direct uh, key contacts within organizations that we've we think might be a good fit for us. Okay. And so they, those two things, and then you know, the referrals from our clients have been really what's fueled the growth. Great. Now, you know, when you think about, you know, the, all the changes that you've seen, obviously, you know, since you've owned this company, it's, 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 it's been a few years, right? <laughs> um, I, I have the gray hair to prove it. <laughs> uh, what do you think, you know, what's, what's some of the best parts about what you do in terms of, you know, the, IT, you know, the services business in, in terms of helping your customers? What's, what's, what's your favorite part about that? We, we were just talking about this the other day because um, when when you look at it, we get to touch so many lives. Um, when you look at the number of employees that we're, we're managing for our clients, and then you think about the families that they all have, 
um, you know, the, the impact, the reach that we have, the roots of this thing are in the mm-hmm. tens of thousands of, of lives being affected by what we do. And that's no small feat. And yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing that we, we get that privilege to be able to work with these companies because most of the organizations we work with are, are, have their roots like us where somebody at some point decided they were going to start a business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them are generational where this is second and third generation that we're handling. Those have a bunch of unique challenges. (laughs) Um, But we we are blessed to be able to deal with those people on a daily basis and help them navigate the the minefield that not only is business, but technology. I mean, if you look back to when I started, um, I couldn't even envision us being what we are today Mm because... Some of the most of the technologies weren't even in play yeah. back then. <laughs> no, I, I I know what you mean. I remember what I was doing in '96, and it you know vastly different than, than what's going on today. <laughs> well, you're you're a better man than I am because I really don't remember much of '96. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's an interesting perspective, and and one that I haven't uh, I don't think it has has come up before. And in terms of talking to MSPs in you know, a lot of times we think about, you know, you think about as the owner, you're thinking about your employees and, and taking care of them, the impact you have on them. But, you know, expanding that and pushing it down and understanding that you have a bigger impact in employees of your customers and helping them and then helping them be successful. Um, that's a, a really, I think it's a great perspective and it, and it really broadens the vision of what it is that you're doing. Well, it, it goes down to our purpose. Um, mm-hmm. You know, part of part of when we talk back about the open book, um, there's an annual conference in Dallas in September every year called the Gathering of Games. Okay. And a couple of years ago, we got to see a gentleman, uh, Clark Gay from uh, Wayne uh, Fire Sprinklers. They're out of Florida. Uh, they're about a $90 million company, at least back then, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got on, on stage and gave a 20-minute talk about the power of purpose. Uh, so if you Google that, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find it, it was recorded and put on there. And, and, you know, there were three of us from the company at the time that went down there and we came mm-hmm. back and, you know, there, there was a lot of wet eyes in the audience after mm-hmm. he spoke. Um, it was a pretty powerful message and, and we were going, well, what is it that gets us out of bed? Yeah. And, you know, we started thinking about, um, we came up, our purpose was keeping American business secure and productive. And it took us quite a bit of time to put our energies into into figuring out what gets us out of bed every day, mm-hmm. and you know going back to thinking about how many how many lives we touch and and the fact that you know with security being what it is, I mean just even in those two years how how much security has evolved to be the kind of forefront of i t yeah um we have a huge responsibility for the economy of the united states i t providers in general and mm-hmm. and if we're not doing our jobs. I mean, this could be a battleground we lose and, and that could affect our entire way of life. So we started putting it into that perspective and, and that gives you a much bigger purpose when you walk in the door every day here that it, you're not just going through the motions and the tools and the RMM alerts and yeah. those types of things. You're <laughs> you're protecting a business and yeah. it's it's constantly under attack and so are we. I mean, yeah. that's they're coming after the MSPs now too, so... Mm-hmm. Um, you want people who are aligned with that purpose um, because it, it makes it does make a big difference. Okay, and and I it, I, I forget the exact words what you said what your what your pur- what you ended up on your purpose, but it, it what was that again? Protecting it, America. Keep, yeah, keeping America secure and productive. Okay, yeah, American that, business secure and productive. Yeah, and and I and I think that's great, and that's you know one of the things I love about the MSP space is it's really you know it's enabling small business. 
um, across the United States and, you know, and, and elsewhere in the world as, as well. But, you know, when you think about how many small businesses there are, there are so many. <laughs> and without proper yeah. and secure IT support, uh, you know, they're going to fail and um, that, that's not good. So, yeah, it's, it's all fun and games to, you know, try, try and sell software to a, a great big corporation uh, for a million dollar contract. But, you know, it's another thing to sell to 100 different MSPs, you know, because that has much broader reach in terms of, of what, what, what is happening out there in the world. Sure. So, great, Absolutely. great perspective. Um, Thank you. So, you know, obviously from a community perspective, you know, it sounds like the, the open book community is, is pretty active and there, there, there's conferences. Do you consider yourself to be part of any other like MSP communities or, or peer groups? Yeah, I mean, we were, um, we, we've probably been in just about everything that's out there. Um, <laughs> we, we started uh, initially in, in uh, True Methods and continue there okay. today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Gary Pico is one of yep. the people who had a very early influence on, on me and, and how we, you know, designed our service delivery. And, um, you know, they continue to be a great friend to our organization. Um, you know, it, that kind of led me to, um, I've got a couple of friends here in the IT space that uh, we meet once a quarter. We're actually meeting tomorrow for lunch. Um, our three teams actually have a monthly conference call to discuss security in our industry. And, you know, people outside the industry would look and go, why would three competitors get on the phone with one another? <laughs> and in the market that we're in, in Chicago, it's like, um, I have so many good friends that I've made through peer associations mm -hmm. where, you know, if you're if you're not looking at the big picture in the long term, people would go, "Why would you even talk to your competitors?" And it it has made such a difference in um, avoiding certain pitfalls and mistakes because yep. you learn from one another and uh, the the friendships. I mean, it's it's uh, I've I've made lifelong friends in this business because mm -hmm. of associations with with other groups who have brought like-minded people together and the ones who are giving their time to the groups mm -hmm. those those are the people that have the same same types of thought processes you do they're they're not looking to put somebody else out of business and they know that in our markets there's plenty of room for everybody and there's yeah. there's plenty of businesses that need it and we're not for everybody and neither are they Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we've referred business back to one another and, and it's, it's, it's just been, it's been great to sit there and, and, and also to have other, uh, business owners to talk to, because yeah. there are certain things, even in open book, you can't just sit and have a frank discussion with your <laughs> employees about because they just don't have the same perspective of yeah. sitting in this, in this chair. So it's, it's been, I mean, that's, that's part of the, the best parts of this, this business is, is the, the friendships that I've made over the years. Great, and, and that I, I've said it before in terms of MSPs, it's so community driven and, and peer driven, you know, and, and people talk, you know, talking to other people, whether they're competitors in the local area or not competitors from another area. Um, there's just so much collaboration that goes on uh, within this community. I think it's great. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of smart people who realize that, you know, you're, you're, um, there's there's a plethora of business out there and nobody can hoard it all for themselves and it wouldn't make sense to. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's power in the collaboration and we're together, we're, we're all stronger and we're better for it, especially nowadays. We need that collaboration because the industry is under attack. Definitely. So switching gears for just a little bit in terms of technology, um, this is kind of a, a general question, but mm -hmm. what technologies either today or in the near future are you most excited about? I, I would have to say the, the, 
the promise of artificial intelligence, um, and I know that scares a lot of people um, <laughs> who might know about it on the periphery but don't really have a lot of experience diving into it. I, mm -hmm. I think artificial intelligence is going to have a, a massive impact on almost every industry and the way we do business. And when you look at what's happening with the workforce, you have the baby boomers, you have 10,000 people a day going into the retirement bucket on average for the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. And if you start doing the math with the generations that came after the baby boomers, there's just not enough qualified people coming yeah. in to replace those jobs. The people who learn how to automate and, and have the machines do some of that work that A, nobody wants to do and B, isn't of value, but still needs to be done. I think that's where real opportunity is going to be. Okay. So that's that's what excites me about you know where we're going as a uh, from, from a technology perspective. Yeah. Now, are you using? Have you introduced AI, AI into any parts of your business yet? We we've dabbled in it with um, some help desk solutions mm -hmm. that aren't quite baked and ready for the market, um, <laughs> at least for for our size market. Um, and we continue to to look at things, but um, nothing where we've actually ponied up a bunch of money to say this is where we're, 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 we're going to, we're going to hitch our wagon to this and see where it goes. Okay. Um, so in terms of technologies that, that have you worried um, that maybe keep you up at night or, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, outside of the general security stuff, um, mm -hmm. you know, because you're only as good as your last backup and last update. <laughs> um, and, and then the fact that we have people and anytime you have people in the equation, they're the weak link in the chain. And yeah. it, it's just always going to be that way. Um, but the technology that, that kind of has me worried the most is the IOT stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because there's, you have so much sprawl now. I mean, when you have refrigerators with IP addresses and, <laughs> and you, toasters, you, you see all, <laughs> hey, yeah, these are entry points to the network that aren't getting the thought, you know, like you can spend a million dollars securing the perimeter and whatnot, and you plug this thing in and all of a sudden the firmware or something. And, and I've seen a lot of, a lot of stories about stuff that comes over from China that is being used in manufacturing that mm -hmm. has hard coded passwords in the firmware that yeah. you can't change. Mm -hmm. And then they become susceptible to these bot attack, botnet attacks and, and God knows what else, you know, those are, those are the types of things, the places where nobody's really keeping a great eye on, you know, cause everybody's focused over here on firewalls and endpoints and EDM and all that stuff. The little IOT stuff, it's like collect all this, data for me and and we've gone into manufacturers and seen um these iot readers on the machines connected to public wi-fi's yeah and it's like okay so now you're getting all your data but so is anybody that could sit in the parking lot or mm -hmm. anywhere else and it's like well but look now we have the data it's like and so does everybody else yeah so those are those are the types of things that concern me because there's just not a ton of education around it and it's a it's a real weak entry point into potential entry point into systems. Yeah, and you know, segmentation is is definitely key in, in terms of, you know, from a networking perspective. And when you think about it from a home from home use, right? I mean, nobody seg hardly anyone segments their network, you know, at, at home, right? Everything's everything's on the same Wi Fi, everything's on the same subnet, you know, it's it's all yeah. just kind of open and people don't realize how risky that can be. Well, I, I 
I, I joke and it's, I mean, it's, there's truth to it is I have for a, for somebody who owns a tech company, I have the dumbest home. Like everybody talks about <laughs> yep. smart homes. I, I still get up and you have the remote. I don't have anything I can talk to that answers back to me. <laughs> I, I really don't have smart technology in my home and, and there's a reason for it. Yeah. I just, I don't trust a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, what, for whatever reason, I still get in my age, I need to get up and exercise anyway. So <laughs> it kind of forces me to, to stay a little bit more active, maybe. Uh, no problem with that. All right. Are you ready for the rapid fire round? Sure. These are, these are easy. Um, they're not meant to be hard. So it's just the first thing that comes to your, to your head. Okay. Oh, that's dangerous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. well, most of them are multiple choice, so it's no problem. All right. First All right. up, Apple or Android? Uh, I've always been an Android guy. Okay. Mac, Linux, or Windows? Always been a Windows guy. Okay. Amazon, Azure, or some other cloud services? Um, if I had to pick one, I would, I would go with Azure. Okay. Backups, local backups, cloud, or both? Um, well, we go with more disaster recovery. So okay. we want a full continuity piece in there. So there has to be both. Okay. Um, virtualization. Should you always virtualize? Um, there, there's no, there's no absolutes in technology. So <laughs> it, I, I would need a use case. <laughs> Great answer. Uh, and then finally, you know, think back to the days when you started your business, um, which is worse printer support or vendor cold calls? Uh, printer support. <laughs> that, that, that was an easy one. <laughs> they were probably easier to support back in the day than than they are now. Um, in, in some well, ways. some some of the people are still using the ones from back in the day, which yep. is why they're so hard to support now. <laughs> darn, darn things last too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially especially if you do a lot of work in manufacturing and shipping and those types of things, those some of those are present different challenges than your your HP printer that sits on the desk. Yes, for, for, for certain on that one. Yes. Great. Eric, it has been very informative. Uh, I have learned a lot. I, I know our audience learned a lot. Any, any last words uh, before we sign off here? Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the questions we didn't touch on was what advice I would give to somebody starting out today. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's, I, I get asked that question quite a bit and jokingly, I, I say, don't, don't get into the business. Um, but, but on a, on a serious note, um, for anybody who's, who's just starting out or only been in the business for a year or two, um, one of the things I wish people would have uh, really hammered home to me early on is, is understanding the value of your time mm-hmm. and where you put your time and resources in and, and where they line up with what goals you have for the organization. Um, I wasted a lot of time early on trying to figure things out and hammering square pegs in a round hole. So um, yeah, just, just understand the value of your time. Um, and just that goes outside business too. That's life yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know some of the peer groups I've talked to, they, they make a point to say it's, you know, yes, we're going to focus on how you're going to build your business, but we're also going to fo- make sure that you're focusing on your personal life as well. And you don't want that slide because you're focusing too much on the business. Yeah. If, if you're not in good health, if you're not in good shape, you can't help anybody else. So yeah. Sometimes you have to be selfish and take care of yourself. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a lesson I learned a little bit the hard way, but, uh, you know, we can't, we can't all be perfect right out of the gate. Life's learning experience. So absolutely. Eric, great. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciate the time. 
um, looking forward to meeting you in person someday. Um, so I hope we get that opportunity. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And this was a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on here. All right. Thanks. Have a great week. Thanks. You too.